Hi, and welcome to She Geeks Out, a podcast where we geek out about all the things. I'm Rachel. And I'm Felicia. All right, I think we're doing it. Yes, we are. (laughs) Well, this is Felicia speaking. We're doing a special podcast recording. And so I have actually two people with me today. Really excited to have this conversation with both of you. And so first, um, we'd like to introduce Fatima. Fatima, I want to say something. <laughs> yes. Thanks, Felicia. It's so interesting because we're like looking at each other virtually, but I feel like we're in person, right? <laughs> but I think this is my second time on the amazing podcast. So thanks for kicking it off to me. I'm Fatima, if you all remember me, or if you listen to that one podcast episode where Felicia and Rachel introduced me, but I'm currently the learning and development manager at She Geeks Out, um, and excited to talk about DEI metrics today. All right, and then we also are joined by Erica Powell, and Erica, before I introduce you, or before I invite you, rather, to come and say hi, just I want to quickly kind of set the stage. So Erica and I actually went to college together back in the day. I won't say how long ago that I was. Certain numbers. <laughs> um, and then I guess have just sort of always kind of stayed in touch here and there over the years. And then um, recently in the past year or so reconnected on a professional level as well as a personal level. So Erica, super excited to have you here joining myself and Fatima today. Yeah, yeah. It's really cool to see things come full circle. Um, I'm Erica Powell and Um, I've been in the DEI space and in the training space for about 15 plus years. I was a cultural anthropology major and it's just so cool to finally be at a point in time where like, oh, the job market actually wants my skill set right now. (laughs) I mean, always a good thing, right? (laughs) Always, always. Because way back when, when I was a cultural anthropology major, it was like, hmm, you can go work in a passport office. (laughs) (laughs) So it's great to see it all come full circle. (laughs) I feel like that's the line that anyone who's gone to a liberal arts college has heard. You can do anything Anything. with this. And you're like, yeah, but that doesn't really help me narrow it down. Right, right, right. At the time, like this was before the digital internet age and there were like, we were still looking at newspapers. And I think um, Craigslist was actually a good source to look for jobs at that time without dating ourselves too much. But like, you know, there wasn't any, there weren't really a lot of DEI jobs back then. And there weren't like a lot of, hey, we want a cultural anthropologist. We need that skill set. So it's amazing to see that now um, in full bloom. And it's really excited. Here at She Geeks Out, um, I play the role of a consultant and a facilitator. Yay. Well, what are we going to talk about today? I mean, we could talk about college and Craigslist and all sorts of stuff for ages, I'm sure. But Fatima, do you want to sort of set the stage as to what we're going to be chatting about? Yes. So for those of you who might know, Felicia and I and Erica, I've co-facilitated with Erica as well. But Felicia and I through I would say probably starting in June because we saw a decrease of, of people sort of asking us to bring our skill sets to the forefront when COVID hit. And then we saw that spike in June, right? And so Felicia and I have been independently facilitating workshops virtually. We've also been co-facilitating, which that's always a pleasure because you can just sit back for 15 minutes and let the other person <laughs> facilitate. But in those workshops, you know, what we found was that we just got so many questions around planning and goal setting, right? Everyone wanted to know, and this isn't new, right? Everyone wants to know, well, how do we fix things? How do we make things better within our workplaces? But more specifically, what are some of these DEI metrics? And in case some of you might not be familiar with what the acronym DEI stands for, that stands for diversity, equity, and inclusion. So today it makes sense for us to just talk about what DEI metrics are, what are some useful metrics or meaningful metrics to use, especially as we get into the new year, and maybe some tips we can give to folks if and when challenges surface, right? So that's sort of the gist of our conversation. So I'll pass it back over to you all because I'm, I'm sort of interested to learn what you all or how you all define DEI, right? Like before we even get into the metric space, how would you define diversity, equity, and inclusion in your own words? Yeah, it's a sort of age-old question, right? And I think 
you're probably going to laugh at Tima because I'm going to just trot out what I say in the trainings, right? Because <laughs> that's sort of always on the tip of my tongue. But, you know, we talk a lot about diversity as this idea of representation. And I think that really ties very closely to a lot of what we'll be talking about with metrics. So we'll certainly get into that a bit further on in a bit. But really representation. And then, you know, the E and I, um, and we're also bringing in other acronyms now too. So um, I'm sure you both have heard JEDI, which incorporates justice along mm-hmm. with the diversity, equity, inclusion, rearranging the EIB. letters a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Okay, with the belonging. So there's so many letters floating out there. But if we're going to talk about the E and the I, in addition to diversity, equity, you know, really sort of how can we support each individual person and give them what they need in order to advance or be supported um, from an equitable standpoint, not necessarily an equal standpoint. And then inclusion, I mean, it's so closely tied to belonging, but really that that sense of how do you feel? Like, like what's that feeling? Do you feel um, as if you belong? Do you feel like your skills are being used? Do you feel mm-hmm. like you can really you know, bring your whole self to work if it's in a workplace context? But that's like I said, the company line. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard to separate the two. I mean, they're really the one and the same, but I would love to hear from your standpoint, Erica, because you're coming in, you've, you know, you've worked with us, but you're also coming in with so much background and your own experience. And so, you know, maybe this is the time where we find out you're like, y'all are <laughs> now <laughs> totally no, off a different no, pathway. No. Y'all, are, y'all are blazing the trail. Um, so my background, I've been in big organizations, little organizations, played lots of different roles. And um, what I find in the DEI space is that people often don't know (laughs) what exactly it is. So it's great to to start to operationalize it, as we would say in research terms. So a little known fact about me, um, I have my doctorate and I remember once upon a time sitting in classes and, and having to like grapple with, okay, if we have this diversity thing, how are we going to measure it? If we have this equity piece, how are we going to measure it? And if we have inclusion, like what is it, how will we measure it through a question or through a survey or whatever? So I, I think um, the timeliness of this is so important. I, I tend to think of diversity and inclusion as kind of the inputs and equity is kind of the outcomes. Um, so when I think about diversity and inclusion, I think, okay, diversity, I'm doing, you know, a numbers count, right? Do I have this population represented in my workforce? When I think about inclusion, I think like, okay, how, how are they feeling and how are they interacting and how are they able to show up or not show up in a workspace? Um, and when you, when you say like D plus I <laughs> gives you kind of like an outcome, which is your equity, right? And that's that idea of if you have people there who feel like they belong, who, who are, you know, statistically or numerically growing, you can start to say something about is the experience equitable across these different groups. So I, um, I like to look for metrics that tell that story. A lot of times I, I work sometimes with um, various companies still, and it's really easy for us to just say like, oh, let, let's just increase the number of people into a certain position. Mm-hmm. And I often have to say, whoa, Nelly, slow it down. <laughs> <laughs> Cause we can actually get those folks. It's, will we be able to retain them? Will we be able to, to keep them? Will, be a, will we be able to promote them? Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's where we start getting into those conversations about um, inclusion and equity, which I think are the more interesting metrics. <laughs> mm, I love that. I love that idea of input output for sure. Yes. Put that in my back pocket one day. I'll probably pull it out in a training. It's so funny because when I first joined the SGO team and, you know, getting used to the materials and trying to figure out like, what's the SGO way to present some of these topics? I remember just sort of like looking at Felicia and being like, okay, I'm putting that in my back pocket. Right. And so I'm always putting things in my back pocket. So appreciate all the sharing that's happening right now. What about you, Fatima? Anything to add? I know you're sort of, you're you're a little bit more in the SGO way, I would say, given (laughs) you work here full time, but anything sort of to add that we haven't touched on for that? I totally disagree with the SGO definitely. No, I'm kidding. (gasps) What? (laughs) That's kidding. Well, the truth comes out. It only takes a podcast to find out these important things about our work. (laughs) 
Just kidding. No, I think it's, I love the way, you know, the approach and how SGO defines diversity, equity, and inclusion. You know, usually when I'm doing the training with the content that's already been developed, I always start off by saying, you could Google each of these terms or Google them simultaneously and find yourself sitting in front of a computer close to a month or two months, right? Because the truth is every organization or individual or company has their own way of defining the terms, right? Like Felicia, you shared your definition or the SGL definition, which is your definition, right? <laughs> and then Erica, you shared yours. And while it was similar, you also had a way of explaining what it means to you on a personal level. And I think the one piece that you mentioned earlier is this justice lens, right? Like we often go by the DEI acronym but I think what really helps me and other people understand really what we're getting at is this justice piece like really understanding that the only reason why we're talking about diversity equity and inclusion is because all of us haven't started from the same playing field right we're talking about these these topics because there are injustices right like I think it's so important to sort of bring those concepts together because if we are to talk about what those metrics might look like, which we'll get to, or what it might look like to actually implement some of these goals and intentions and things like that, we first have to do some assessment around what's not working, right? What are some of the historical implications around who hasn't been represented in our community and society and how our workplace is a microcosm of that, right? Like if we can't have that conversation, it's really hard for us to achieve goals that will really be sustainable or that will feel good to your employees in the workplace. So I think that's probably that one piece that, that I would add and always try to bring it with me because it's very easy to get caught up in definitions and like be in headspace and not heart space. Yes, love, love that, love that, love that. I see so many DEI positions and I've been in various organizations where it just becomes like, okay, we got to pull the report, but mm-hmm. it's um, disembodied, if you will, from like the whole reason why we're pulling this report is because hopefully we're all working towards justice. And I I think that's one thing that's missing from a lot of, having worked with a lot of companies, um, that's what's missing from the Mm -hmm. conversation is like, all right, the eye on the prize or or the bouncing ball that we're following here is this lens of justice. That is what we all hopefully are here um, for, that that's why we care so much about it. And I think, that's the the generative conversation that is hopefully emerging in this collective when we think about 2020 mm-hmm. you know what, what what was what was life trying to say to us <laughs> it was trying to say justice <laughs> yeah yeah Ooh. yeah I mean it's, yeah <laughs> like I feel like there's just we're like pausing here because it's yeah. such a, it's it's so Is true it too it's early the like, po- poetry snap <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not more, I'm like never too early <laughs> I don't know if they <laughs> hear the snaps <laughs> right they're like what was that sound I'm glad you said something Erica <laughs> Well, I feel like this is maybe a good segue, though, to, you know, not to have us just uh, be totally pausing forever, but it's a good segue, I think. And maybe, Erica, if you wouldn't mind um, telling, telling us a little bit more about the metrics that you've seen. Like, I know, Fatima, you were asking, like, what even are DEI metrics? And you just mentioned, Erica, like reporting that you've seen and, you know, the numbers and other stuff that we're looking at. So I wonder if you could maybe start us off by switching gears and talking a little bit more about, okay, so we've got our our big concepts, the D, the E, the I, the J, the B, the whatever. And like, what do we do with this? And what, especially from that workplace context, which is, you know, a lot of what we talk and think about, like, what do we do with the heart and how do we combine the head and the heart there. Right. Um, So I would say typically in an organization, you'll see your basic demographic measure measurements, Mm -hmm. you know, i.e. what category do you fall into? Are you male, female? Unfortunately, those are usually given in the binary. And when you're on a, when I've been on project planning teams, like even in 2020, it's a push to say, hey, can we just get out of the male, female? uh, it could also be, you know, race, anything around, um, anything around that, I call it, y'all know me, y'all know me well, you know, I love my diversity wheel. <laughs> <laughs> the loaded diversity wheel. <laughs> yes, I know people have added to it, but it's a wonderful, like, starting point. <laughs> Indeed. So, um, you know, really, really just 
check in to see if we have representation there. Um, what I've also seen folks do is uh, right now a big thing are engagement surveys. So uh, I don't know if folks are familiar with Culture Amp and and various competitors not endorsing any one particular tool, but um, they've come up with like DNI inclusion surveys, and that will that measures a lot of the um, belonging piece. You know where we'll ask where you'll ask people questions about your sense of belonging and do you feel like you have input into the decision making and and that sort of thing um depending on I would say the maturity of the organization because let's be honest let's be real a lot of organizations don't really have someone um personing this base, if you will. So uh, a lot of organizations, maybe you hire a person who focuses on DEI, but the data piece isn't necessarily their specialty. Um, sometimes it comes out of an HR shop, but they mm -hmm. also have other things that they're doing. Um, but I think where the metrics really get interesting is when you start to look at things around like pay equity or when you start to look at career growth, you know, are people, are certain groups um, progressing in the same way that other groups are? That That's where you could really get some advanced analytics. So that I don't rattle on too much. I will tell <laughs> you, if I were a DEI mechanic and a company came to me and they said, hey, can you, can you give us, you know, an oil change or our check engine light is on? Mm. <laughs> what would I be looking for? Um, I'd be looking for, you know, representation in terms of who's in leadership, who's not represented in leadership. I'd be looking at promotion rates. Um, I'd also be looking at exit and retention data. So maybe that's quantitative. Um, again, if you have someone who's really, you know, like your HR analyst or your DEI position is dedicated to looking at these kind of trends um, or just qualitative data. And then the last thing I would look at is, is just tenure, you know, mm -hmm. are people um, staying and, and are certain groups uh, staying in for the long haul or certain groups coming in for about, you know, six months and saying, I can't do this. I'm out of here. That that would be on my check engine light. If any of those were <laughs> were off, that's when uh, I'd get very curious. <laughs> no, I love that. Thank you for setting us up with that and starting us off. It's it's interesting too because I feel like all of these data points they have to work together, right? Mm -hmm. Because anyone doesn't tell the full story. Mm -hmm. And I've seen organizations that I've, I've encountered in the past where you look at one data point and you're like, oh, they're doing amazing. Like you look at um, how many women they have, right? Especially for right. tech companies or certain industries. And you're like, the numbers look great. And then you pull in the other data point, which is, well, what are their, what are their job titles and job levels? Mm -hmm. And you're like, whoa, actually it's only entry level where they're doing really well. Right. And they're 50, 50 split if we're doing the binary. But then once you get into manager or leadership, there's no woman there. And so then you're like, well, and then how much are they getting paid? And so yeah. they all kind of fit together. And I personally love the, the metaphor of puzzle pieces when talking about this work. And I think this is such a, a place where you really see that as a puzzle where, you know, you can't just have one piece. You have to have all the others. And, and to your point, Erica, too, I think it's really important because, and this is not a ding against anyone or any company, but a lot of times we see people who are just looking at it from like a personal passion standpoint, or it's like mm -hmm. a, a mission driven type thing. It's more of like the heart aspect of it, which is so important, mm -hmm. but the data is really important too. And I think you're, you know, the, the DEI mechanic, like you need the people who can do the, who've got the tools to go in and tinker around and can actually make sense of the numbers and can right. pull the reports and, and make them, you know, into something that's um, meaningful. And I remember working at a really large tech company. And when I started doing this work back in the day, and I was trying to figure out some of these numbers and figure out like how many people do we, like, what's the, the gender breakdown and what's the breakdown by level mm -hmm. and, and what is pay. And I had to work with HR and it was so frustrating because this is of course, several years ago, but um, a lot of organizations view this, this information as secret, or they're scared that it's going to tell a story that they don't want to be told, even yeah. if that story is only happening internally and not externally. And it was like pulling teeth to get just basic numbers. And so it's, it's hard because how can you do the work if you're not able to adjust and assess 
and understand what you're working with. And mm-hmm. um, I could probably keep talking and talking and talking, but then if we bring a global lens into this too, that's even more complicated because whereas here in the US, we have access to a lot of this data, yeah. in other countries, you're legally not allowed to collect it. So right. then you're sort of, you know, I, I don't like to use this phrase, but flying blind. And so, or you're just, you're blindfolded, let's say, like you just don't have as much information as you could use. So, you know, everything to what you said, as far as um, metrics, I would probably just also add in um, the recruiting piece of it. So, mm-hmm. you know, not just who do you actually hire, but at all stages of that recruiting funnel, um, sourcing and interviewing and phone screens and who gets through and who falls off. There's so much information to be had there. And, um, you know, also just, uh, you know, again, bringing in a little bit of that legal aspect of it, like discrimination and harassment complaints, like that's stuff that sometimes is seen a little bit separate, but is part of that story as well. Yeah, I, I, I feel like we should have um, a follow-up, you know, a follow-up to the follow-up. The after party <laughs> is like, how do we destigmatize DEI data? Because I think that's mm-hmm. very, very common precisely for why, for the reasons you, you, um, you spoke about, Felicia, like this idea of one, people are afraid of what the numbers will say. And two, because um, there are some compliance uh, concerns around like who's getting access. As you were talking, it it reminded me of um, that book, Diversity Inc. I'm not sure if folks Mm -hmm. have uh, read it, highly recommend it, but it talks about how, you know, we have this wonderful uh, industry, but it hasn't really moved too far. And it's precisely because people, uh, metrics in an organization get you to move. And if you don't take them seriously, and if you don't have dedicated personnel or staff to actually focus on the the metrics, um, where are you going? (laughs) And how do you know that you even got there? So it's, um, they're really, they're really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that a lot. You all dropped so many gems. If you're listening, just this is a great time to snap. That's like your applause, even though we can't hear you. Um, But, you know, to your point, what gets measured gets done, right? Like if you're not measuring it, a lot of times people won't think about it, right? There's so many companies that I've worked with, or especially nonprofit organizations that I've worked with in the past, and they'll go through amazing trainings or workshops that sort of gets the wheels turning and they'll walk away with something that's like, okay, we brainstorm our issues. We did a root, root cause analysis. We know the foundational issue. Here are the action <laughs> items we're going to do. We have metrics. Boom. And then what happens? All these other things within the company that's getting measured, that's aligned with either, you know, performance review or aligned with so many other things or strategic goal is, you know, those are the things that people are going to focus on first, right? And what happens is that the DI work gets pushed to the side. And before you know it, it's more of an initiative versus being part of a whole or really embedded mm-hmm within within the culture of a company and so the only other thing I would add about metrics is also just understanding like what do you is it going to be sustainable right like what resources do you have in place for you to even start thinking about those metrics and how do you hold yourself accountable when you start setting those goals right because you know you all mentioned a few already from like recruiting to who's represented who's not and so forth but then like what makes it what makes us move from one point to the next is really who's going to be working on this, right? Who's going to be working towards making this happen? So I think that's a really big piece that sometimes it's hard to figure out because people that usually people that's not, you know, under their role, right? When you mm-hmm. get your position or you, you start working somewhere, you're not expecting to be part of a DEI council, right? We usually treat those that work external. So how do we start making that probably, you know, even part of folks' roles to make sure that we understand that this is part of a whole company and not something separate or to the side. Amen to that. Or <laughs> a woman, like, a woman. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the, to have the reports, people yeah. can get the report. Mm-hmm. Like, it's that internal infrastructure that's missing in the metrics conversation, right? Like, how do we make this a part of how we do every part of what we do. So for example, like I I think about um, the AI, there's this wonderful movie I just watched, Coded Bias. Mm. And it's all about like the bias in the algorithm. And the thing is I'm watching it, I'm like, you know, 
in the world I envision, when that product team sits down to like do their magic or whatever it is that they do, they would be reaching out to the DEI person if there's a designated role. But like there's that behavioral and that mindset shift of, no, we can't actually go forward with our part of the process until we've checked in to see, oh, how many folks have been used in this data set that were yeah. not from the dominant culture? Or if you think about you know, performance reviews, in my ideal world, when we talk about DEI metrics, um, it would be that the HR team says, all right, we've gone through all of our you know, performance reviews and we're calibrating. Now let's, let's see what the stats are, who's getting promoted, who's not getting promoted, who's getting a, a salary increase, who's not. Um, and what does that look like? Because ultimately um, that's the mindset, like the, the metrics only matter if the behavior changes. Mm-hmm. I love that a lot. I think we've already started getting into the process, right? But I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering what, what it would look like for us to share a bit about what that process might look like. So maybe a company is in their beginning stage or they've been doing this for the past few years, but they're trying to maintain or figure out what do we need to adjust because we looked at this report and we got the employee, employee engagement survey and we did a horrible job, right? Our score is really low. What are, some, what are some steps we can give to some of those companies or workplaces? They're like, what do we do? How do we even think about DI metrics or continue doing a better job? What would you all say to that? Well, I would actually say that I actually, I would say there's companies, I know there's organizations out there that haven't even done the surveys or they've done nothing. Mm. And, you know, and like every organization, you know, I think it was you, Erica, you were saying organizations are at different levels of maturity. And even though, especially for us three, because we're practitioners and we're in it, it might seem like everyone's talking about it, (laughs) but there are still (laughs) organizations out there that need a lot of help. And have yet to really address this in the way that we feel it should be addressed. So, you know, what I've heard from some um, companies that I've encountered in the past is that sometimes there's a, a hesitancy to start because they're afraid of what the story will be or what they will find out. And, or they want to just start without measuring anything before, you know, so they just want to leap in without knowing what they're leaping into. And so they don't know if there's alligators in that pond. They don't know if there's seaweed. They don't know if there's, you know, mermaids. They have no idea what's going on in this body of water that they're leaping into. Sorry for my my, my uh, aquatic metaphor here. I love it. <laughs> you had me at mermaid. <laughs> but, you know, and so I would say a lot of times too, even if it's, it doesn't have to be a, oh, you're going to find something bad out or you should be afraid of what you're going to find out. But you may think that you know what your employees need or what the problems are, or even you think you know what's going well. And until you actually put a, a data point to that, you don't know. And so starting with, a survey, a focus group, something to give you some sort of starting line. And then you can build off of there. So I would say, you know, I think there's, there's sort of two avenues here. There's the organization where you've done something already. So you have some sense of what's going on, but then there's also the organizations where you need to actually do something. (laughs) And so personally, I love that employee engagement survey. And I think um, that either with or um, followed by focus groups is a great way to start to collect information. And it gets at what you were saying, Erica, that quantitative as well as qualitative, because you really want both ways of gathering information. And from my standpoint, if you've already gotten into it a little bit, you know, a lot of times people get really overwhelmed because they're like, well, you know, we just rattled off, you know, recruitment, retention, pay equity, um, um, representation, like we rattle off a lot of stuff here. All the so sometimes all people the are like, oh my gosh, well, how do I even, I, we haven't been doing this. How do we start? And you just have to start again, you have to start somewhere. So maybe you say, okay, we're going to focus on recruiting first because that's really tangible. It's a clear process. We can look at each step and you just start collecting that information. And there's, you know, certainly a lot of great tools out there. Um, you're, you may have internal departments and people that are already collecting this data. So it might be more of a matter of pulling that information together or sharing it. But from my standpoint, I really think it's just, you know, putting your starting point in place and then taking it step by step and not feeling like you have to, you have to attack it all in one fell swoop, but you have to have that roadmap of where are you going and, and where did you start and where do you want to go eventually? But that's just my standpoint. I love that. Yeah. If, yeah. Um, if either of you have different or anything to add into that. 
Oh, so good, Felicia. <laughs> I don't know, Erica, do you want to you want to kick us off? I jumped into the double dutch rope. Um, <laughs> challenge, challenge one. I'm from Philly. Hey. And that's how we do I I think the best advice is what you said, Felicia, honestly, is like start somewhere and collect the data if you are going to take action. Like if you are not going to take action, then you need to have an internal conversation about why you don't want to take action. Um, because once you start to show movement in that area of like, hey, we want to have this conversation, well, I'll even back up. Employees are hungry to have this conversation. And um, a lot of the companies that I work with, I get tons of like, thank you so much for letting us have this conversation. So if, if folks who are listening at a later t- date and time are wondering, like, I don't know if our folks are ready. Like, trust me, they are. They are waiting for you to open up that door. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I would say, if you are going to um, open up that door, make sure that you take action. Where I see a lot of organizations spin out is that, um, to your point, Felicia, like there are so many areas to focus on. Like, where do, where do you focus? Do you just focus on recruitment? Do you focus on, um, you know, the, the, the pay equity stuff, like people really, that really starts to, to freak them out when it's like, well, what should be our goal? Um, and when I'm working with clients like that, I typically tell them like, you get to set where you want to go. Um, you can start with like, the fun part about data, but the hard part about data and the secret when you like go get adopted <laughs> is that like you really can start whatever wherever you want. It's like a blank canvas. <laughs> <laughs> you really can say like it's really important for our company to focus on pay equity. So that's what we're gonna focus on this quarter or this next six months or this the whole year. Um you just have to start somewhere. The other thing that I was thinking about um, in regards to this question is wherever you start and wherever you decide to act, really try to link data points that tell the diversity, equity, and inclusion story. So um, it's easy for us to focus on, I I just had a client I was working with and they were saying, oh, well, you know, we want to increase leadership. Um, the, the diversity in our leadership. And I was like, that's great. And how will you know that they actually feel included? Because look at the type of company that you are in your current state right now. You're actually not a company. <laughs> I know you're trying to do better, <laughs> but you're actually like, you're actually going to have to put some um, some things in place so that this person will want to stay and so that these people feel like they're more than just a checkbox on your leadership team or on your board. Um, so that, that's that's what I would say, like overlay that wider story of diversity, equity, and inclusion into your metrics. And I, I, I would just like amplify and echo that idea of get out there and collect the qualitative data as well. Do a listening session with your folks because the numbers don't tell everything. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the numbers say like, oh, nothing's wrong here. (laughs) And it's the qualitative data that will help you really see like what is this this particular group's experience at your organization. It's like being a detective almost, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like detective. And you know, it's so interesting. I'm, I appreciate you sharing that story about your client right now, Erica, because what popped into my head as you were saying, you know, it's not just about getting more diverse leadership, but it's about the inclusion piece. And then I was thinking another way to also, or something to add into that would also be what is the current path to promotion into leadership internally um, mm-hmm. are all the like basically where are you getting your leadership from right so is it internal is it external is it both and then that ties back it's, again it's that puzzle piece or it's that linkage where you're like okay are people getting promoted internally at rates that they should be are we seeing people stalled out and that's where you can see both from a numbers perspective and that qualitative feedback mm-hmm. and people will say well hey at middle management we've got tons of representation but guess what none of us have been promoted in five years and we want to get into senior leadership, but we just are 
they're stuck here. And then they only go outside. And when they go outside for new leadership roles, it's all the old boys club. And so yeah. that's a big problem. So yeah. it just like, it's, you sort of um, uncover one rock and then you kind of keep uncovering stuff. And of course, <laughs> I'm not saying that's what's happening with this client, but that's other ways of adding into that where just, I feel like you have to be so inquisitive when you're thinking about metrics and doing this work, because again, like we're coming with our own assumptions or our own experiences or thoughts, but that doesn't mean that we're correct. It means that we have ways of knowing where to look and what to ask, but then the answers might be coming from different places that we don't know. Oh. Yeah, that's I'm speaking to my data driven soul right there, Reverend. <laughs> so now, good. when I was in grad school, that's what they said. They, I remember them saying that um, your data is only good as the question that you want to ask or the mm. problem that you want to solve. So, if you're out there saying we, you know, we we need to measure this, we need to measure that, that's great. And you have to come back to that core question of. What's, what ultimately are we trying to answer? What question are we trying to answer through the data that we're collecting? Mm-hmm. And what problem are we trying to, you know, to solve for? Love that. Y'all are just drop, just keep dropping the gems. So, <laughs> so much, so much to take in, right? Um, and I heard both of you just being like, a lot of times people are like, where do we start? Where I don't even know, because it, it can, it can feel scary, right? Especially in the spaces that we're in now. And Felicia, you mentioned it earlier, like we're afraid, people are afraid to do and say the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And something we talk about, at least in some of our trainings, is that perfectionism is a myth, right? It doesn't mean we can't hold ourselves accountable when we make mistakes, right? But recognize that you will make mistakes and the question is what do you do after those mistakes are made but something that Felicia and I have been using like as a framework is something that I really love it's called well we call it the five p's and courtesy of Western State Center. If you're not familiar with their materials, they're an awesome um, organization that just really talks about historical implications of social justice issues, DEI, and give a lot of frameworks on how we can sort of conceptualize what it means to do DEI work in the workplace and, and beyond. But the five Ps are sort of ways that they think about just our organizations in general, right? Very often we might have different parts of our companies and organizations, but for the most part, we have people, right? That's one P. We have what we practice, AKA culture. So what does that look like? And many times that's said, unsaid. So really going back to that qualitative piece that those numbers aren't always going to get you what you need. And maybe you are at a company organization that does internal external programs, right? And so what is the program? What are some of the questions that you're asking? And are you, if you're working with an external community, are you always centering their needs, right? Or is it sort of like, oh, we're just going to do whatever we need to do. And how are you making sure you're measuring your effectiveness and making sure you're accomplishing goals that's just not fitting for the company, but also the com- the community you're working with and serving? Um, and then power. Who's in power? Who's not in power? How do our decisions impact those in leadership role all the way down to frontline staff? And are we considering everyone sort of perspective if not how do we make adjustments and lastly the the, probably the hardest one is policies right how explicit can we be around our policies as it relates to DEI and not only writing it but going back to the culture piece are we embodying it right so Mm -hmm. that framework has been really helpful at least with our clients and trying to think about well where do we start we give them that framework and then they start thinking about okay what are the questions we need to ask ourselves, where are our strengths? Where do we need, you know, have opportunities for growth, which then helps them think about the action items and how they might be able to measure it in the future. Yeah, I love the five P's. So good. It's so, so funny good. though, because yeah, we usually say culture versus practices because people yeah. understand that I think a little bit easier mm-hmm. than practices. And so then people are like, wait, you said five P's. There's only four P's. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, and again, I think this really depends on where organizations are coming into the conversation from, but if you've like really never done anything, 
and this also will depend on how large your organization is. So some companies, it's really easy to know some of this information. You look mm-hmm. around and you're like, all right, I got the representation down. I mean, she gets, <laughs> we have five full-time staff, including <laughs> like we know what the numbers are. Like, we know, there's yep. no secret data hiding somewhere, but you know, on the other hand, like we're actually, we're, we're we do hire from time to time. We're in the middle of hiring right now. And so that's actually a place that if I really wanted to dig into numbers, I could go look at our funnel and say, here's all the people we're getting and, you know, start breaking it down by all sorts of pieces of information Mm -hmm. and then see who's making it through to phone screen and who's making it through to the next step. And then, you know, and then we could take a look at that historically and say, that's this job, but what about the last jobs and who have we hired Mm -hmm. in the past? And so even for a small organization like ours, like there's a lot of information that we could pull out if we really wanted to. Um, And, you know, and I think too, a lot of times people are like, well, this is not my job. Like I'm not a data analyst. And, you know, and sometimes there are going to be organizations where you are assigned to crunch the numbers and do that. But a lot of times it's going to be someone in HR, it's going to be uh, a DEI program manager. It's going to be someone who's an engineer who is just really interested in this work. And so, uh, you know, there's, there's always going to be some place to start. And I think a lot of it has to go back to, um, you know, access to information. And I think the biggest piece for me as well is communication. Um, and I'm really interested to hear from you, Erica, what you've seen and your experiences around this kind of work and metrics and measurement with regards to how it's communicated out. Cause I think that's another piece where sometimes companies are like, we got to do the survey and then they don't tell people why, or they're doing a lot of work and then they never share the results or they're like, oh, we know exactly how everything breaks down and we know what's going on with the turnover rate and the promotion rate (laughs) and pay equity. But then it feels like all that information has gone to a black hole. And so this is where you see a lot of um, sort of disrest within organizations where the employees who are passionate or who want to know or who want to help move the needle towards greater change feel like they they could help if they were asked or if they were if they had information but they just feel like they're not being that they're being you know sort of held separate from that and so where i've seen you know companies be more successful is where they're more transparent and of course mm-hmm. that brings up a lot of issues like some stuff you're not able to share some things you don't want to share but if you can sort of have a level of transparency that can help a lot especially if if people, they just want to know, right? So if you're like, here's what we have, we're not going to fix this tomorrow, but here's the data, we're working on it. That's a huge step towards, you know, towards greater inclusion and and all the work. So anyway, I'm rambling here, but um, that's that's the other big piece I was really thinking about. And as I said, Erica, I would love to hear from you. Have you, like, have you seen like stuff that's gone well, things that haven't gone well? Has it, has this been an a factor for you in your past work with your clients? Greatest hits are when the leaders are on board, Mm. right? So when leaders are saying, hey, it's really important for us to do this. um, And they're either communicating it out via email or they're holding a special, um, you know, all hands meeting to say on a quarterly basis or on a yearly basis. And they really get into a cadence um, so that it communicates that message to the entire company. This is really important to us. Um, greatest hits from a communication standpoint is it definitely goes with that thread of transparency that like if the numbers aren't good, that the leaders own up to that. And they say, we know the numbers aren't good and we want to make that different moving forward. And also on the greatest hits list is not not just that performative, like we'll do better, (laughs) but when they actually set a concrete goal and they say, hey, by such and such a date or by such and such a quarter, we want to increase this to sometimes it's a raw number or sometimes it's the percentage. Um, I, where I think um, the worst hits, (laughs) remember MTV or was it VH1 had that like best and worst show that used to come on? Do you remember that? Or am I just, when I had a TV, but we won't even talk about (laughs) Erica and her geeky self (laughs) who does not have a TV right now. It hasn't had one for five years and don't want one. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> worst hits are 
when um, those numbers get clouded in secrecy. Uh, and worst hits are when, you know, leadership says, hey, we, we want to do better, um, but they kind of like keep it quiet. Um, it, I, I, I really think this is where leaders at all levels, whether they be, you know, from supervisor to middle manager, to director, to senior director, to VP and, and beyond, whatever your organization, however it's structured or tiers, tiered, they have the biggest voice in the room to say, hey, we want to we want to change this. We want to push this. Um, and I, I think it's really important for leaders to communicate how important diversity, equity and inclusion is to the organization. And I think it's really important for them to um, to just make it a natural part of their communication. Like, why not start um your weekly meeting, if you're director of recruiting with, hey, let's take a look at our pipeline. You know, let, let's look at our candidate. I forget what they call it. I call it the stack, but I don't think that's the word they use. <laughs> 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 like, let's take a look at that. Um, because ultimately that's, it, we got to focus on like those macro communications, the, mm. the feel good messaging on the ship but also the individual orders that get communicated down to different teams. Mm -hmm. um, th yeah. those, are, those are important. Like a leader has to be able to say to their team, you know what, um, I know this might really shake your tail feathers, but I want you to revamp your whole product um, process so that it includes a diversity, equity, and inclusion. And it, sure, you can spend a quarter thinking about how you might, how you can spend a quarter assessing that, but by second quarter 2021, I want us to start piloting that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that okay. level of accountability. Yeah, I was about to say yeah, accountability. We're, we're, <laughs> you know, real talk, we are taking a lot of time just spending Listen. our wheels in the DEI space mm -hmm. in, in actual companies around getting stuff done. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and mm -hmm. if you are a leader, you can communicate that to your folks and say, hey, we, we need to look at, um, I applaud those leaders that uh, you know, are the engineering leaders that say, hey, I want us to look at our the language that we use and let's make sure mm -hmm. we're using inclusive leadership. We got to take certain terms off and replace them with something else. Mm -hmm. Right on. Yeah. Yes. Because like, we, we've just, we've been at this since the 80s, 90s. If you read Diversity <laughs> Inc., I read, I, I did yeah. a, like a, a fast read and I was, I was pissed at the end of it. I was like, you know, these same questions are what I'm grappling with. Yeah. Because people, you know, aren't, I don't want to say we're not moving fast enough, but we're not using the power of our voice and communication to really hold people accountable to doing something different. Mm -hmm. That's so powerful, right? And even just thinking about, well, why are we making the same mistakes we've already made, right? And I guess that's <laughs> your, your anthropology background coming <laughs> in, right? But as you said, accountability, and another word Felicia used that I loved earlier is transparency. <laughs> Those are the two words we're, we're going into 2021 with. But it's also <laughs> yeah. making me think about what we've learned, right? And like you said earlier, Erica, you were like, 2020 was screaming justice, right? Yeah. And we're in a, in a space where everyone is like, we need to be anti-oppressive. We need to be anti-racist, anti-all things. And we literally made that shift within five five months, right? Mm -hmm. And we've talked mm -hmm. about metrics. We, we talked about diversity, equity, inclusion. We talked about recruiting, hiring, representation. And when we're talking about that deep justice work, do you feel like that's different? Are those metrics different? If not, how do we combine the two? Or what's better language to use instead of treating it separately, right? Because Felicia and I have talked about like how in many ways, if we think about it, DEI work should incorporate justice work, right? It, it shouldn't be separate. What, what's your take on that? Mm. <laughs> I had to breathe that one in because um, I know it's a lot. I, I I think I think it's a must, and I know developmentally, if you think about how people develop um, the concept of anti-racism, I know a lot of people aren't there. Um, and so in some cases, we're asking folks to be at, you know, a college level when they still may be in elementary school. Mm. Um, that said, as a leader, and 
And if you think about your educational experiences, we've all had teachers that are demanding and who have said like, yeah, I know you're a first grader, but you won't, you, you won't read a college level text. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> you may not get it all. And I'm going to help you get there. Yeah, that's so <laughs> true. I, and I this doesn't have need to be, to be senior leadership level. either, oh. right? Yeah. yeah. It can be your manager. It can be internal, just, you know, sort of like, I guess, um, for lack of a better word, cultural leaders internally, um, you know, those people who like set the tone, right? Mm-hmm. And just be like, we got to push ourselves. And again, you know, Fatima, if we're going to tie it back to the question around data and metrics, like you have to know what you're dealing with, right? Like you have to know what is like, like, how would you know if you did well, or how would you know if you were successful, Mm -hmm. if you didn't know where you started? Yeah. If I were to, if I were to get up out of this room and then like run back in huffing and, and tell you, I just ran a 5k race, like, well, you know, do we have the whole story? When did I start running this race? Was it five weeks ago? And I've just put been putting steps in my Fitbit. Like, you know, like you have to know where we started to be able to say, yeah, like you did this amazing thing or we almost got there or we didn't get there. And, yeah. you know, yeah, sorry to hijack your, your comment, Erica, but <laughs> I feel like I've got like a the fire passion. inside me. Yeah. Well, we, we've got to be and this may sound like over the edge for some folks, but I'll say it like we have to be Rihanna level unapologetic Mm. about the game of anti-racism and the game of justice, because if not, what are we here for? Mm. I didn't come to a party to not like really dance and get down on the dance floor. That's just me. All right. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And like, I, I think again, what, What's missing from a lot of these conversations around metrics is that generative piece of we are doing this because we envision a certain thing about our organization, right? We have this, um, people would call it a goal, but I, I would say like go to that why we have this goal because ultimately we want everybody to feel like they can contribute and be their best in this mm-hmm. organization. And for you know, my hardcore folks that are like, well, why would we want that? So that you can make more money, right? Um, for my heart-centered folks, why? Because it feels good. Um, mm. But I, I think we need to be, we, we kind of skirt, at least inside of companies, we kind of skirt around the fact that like, we are actually doing this because we want a just world. Like we want to be anti-racist because we want equity. And there's nothing wrong with wanting equity. As a matter of fact, we're long overdue. Put that on your Christmas list. <laughs> oh, if only, Santa. <laughs> or your birthday no. <laughs> list, or if you celebrate a holiday, or, you know, like, we're long overdue for this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and I just had this thought too while you were, while you were speaking, which is going back to your, your question, Fatima. So, I think that these two things in terms of, you know, um, diversity work, anti-racism, anti-oppressive work, I I do really feel like we're moving more towards that language and incorporating that into this work. And it is so tied together because it's the next step. Because what I think we've seen in a lot of organizations up until really 2020 in a lot of ways was a lot of work in certain industries and companies around diversity work. But for a lot of people, including practitioners, we were still limiting ourselves to structures of oppression. And so that's a different conversation to say, how can I be successful within a patriarchal structure or within an oppressive structure that's built to put people down? And then once you get to that point where you collect your data and you have your understanding and your training, you're naturally always going to get to a point where you start to realize, you know, I'm sorry, I'm like going there, but like with the matrix, right? Where Neo, <laughs> Neo realizes Go that there. he can control the world around yes. him. Like that's where we are right now. We're starting mm. to realize it's not about gender parity or pay or promotional stuff. Maybe it's about completely restructuring what we built. And that mm. is a really, really hard conversation for a lot of organizations. Mm-hmm. Like I literally had a conversation with a, an organization this summer, um, smaller nonprofit, you know, 
five, six people, mm-hmm. all white women who work there. And they're like, we're so fired up about anti-racism and even Kendi's book and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, honestly, like at the end of the day, if we're going to be a truly anti-racist organization, like we all are out of a job because yeah. we're all white women. <laughs> like yeah. we're not a diverse team. We're not supporting this. And who's going to say, yeah, thanks so much, especially in a pandemic, like let's just quit and then have new people come in. Like it's just, it's a really big challenge for a lot of people. So I feel like we're in that moment where Neo is realizing the, you know, the world around him. And and it's really up to us at this point to say, like, do we decide to stay within the oppressive structures? And, and that's still good work, right? Like that's not bad work or it doesn't, it's not that it doesn't have meaning or do we take that next leap and say, we're just going to completely change everything? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, I'm getting mm. the feels on that one, Felicia. Yeah. Like that is how you create a new world. Right? Yeah. And like, that is the harder road to be on. And mm. like, there's like all these ands. And that <laughs> is, that's kind of like the yellow brick road that we need to be trying to make our way to maybe you're on a different road right now and that's okay but remember you got to find the yellow path through this forest um otherwise what we know from like systems theory is the system will just keep replicating itself Mm -hmm. (laughs) exactly (laughs) over and over over again (laughs) yeah Ooh, uh, 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 t- talk about two of the peace power and people <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> right yeah. that you, very often when we think about metrics or we think about systems we think about them separately right and to both mm-hmm. of your points you know people make up systems and it's yeah. scary it's so scary to know that it's our responsibility and if we were to be as revolutionary as we as we think we could be or wanted to be yeah, none of we would not, none of us would be working, <laughs> right? We would be thinking about a, a different world that we haven't experienced yet. Maybe we've, we've experienced snippets of it, right? And we're like, yeah. oh, imagine if every day could be like this, right? Yeah. How do we, how do we actually embody that in in the real world? Which is, I think, a really good question for listeners to sit with: is like, what yeah. is the world and the workplace that yeah. you want to create? I mean, that, that that just has so much hope and so much possibility. Um, creatively overwhelming for anyone who's an artist. Like when I look at that blank white canvas, I'm like, I don't know what's going to emerge. <laughs> I, how is this going to turn into something beautiful? I, for, for those of you who don't know me, which probably a lot of you don't because you're on a podcast. Um, <laughs> you don't know me from a can of paint. But, I'm, that, that. <laughs> but um, I, I love to paint. And um, people say, oh, how do you come up with those ideas? And like, it really is emergent. You know, it, it's, it's allowing ourselves to sink into what is arising and seeing it as the highest, like what is the highest potential and the highest outcome for all? Maybe we don't lose all of our jobs. Like maybe something even better comes through. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the place that um, we gotta, we gotta sit with. That would be a fun workshop to create. Just saying y'all, just saying. <laughs> it gets a little futuristic, but like. Yeah, that's- no, that's what we're working towards. Yeah. And I think that's such a, that's such a great sort of way to kind of cap up our discussion <laughs> is to leave listeners with that question. Like, what is, what is the goal? What is the world that you want to live and work in and, and work towards? And, and what does that look like? And what does that feel like? Whew. I feel like we went around the block. I ran that 5k and <laughs> so good. Uh, uh, you know, as, as we're slowly saying our goodbyes, when you were talking, Erica, I automatically thought about Adrian Marie Brown's book, Emergent mm-hmm. Strategies. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't read that book, if you already read it, read it again. <laughs> right? <laughs> because it's just one of those books where it's like, you have to sort of have the emotional and spiritual connection to this work in order for it to feel worthwhile and in order for you Mm -hmm. to feel like you could keep on going and people like that or bell hooks or just amazing humans who've who've given us words um grab one of them during break if you have a break or if you're celebrating holidays and let that feed you into the new year because i I know i'll be be doing that (laughs) i love that 
Oh, thank you both so much for, for being in community and conversation and um, wish you all a restful close to your 2020. Yes. Same to you. you thank too. you. Bye. Thanks to all our listeners for spending some time geeking out with us. If you enjoyed listening, please rate and review us on iTunes. Every review helps. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next interview. And tell all your friends. New episodes drop every Tuesday. (laughs) Check us out at She Geeks Out on all the things. And in case you're wondering what those things are, they are Twitter, Insta, FB, otherwise known as Facebook, LinkedIn, and our website, of course. Bye, Rachel. Bye, Felicia. Bye, Felicia.